Welcome to Sweat and Small, a podcast all about running and well-being brought to you by Lupa. Hello, hello. Thank you all for coming back to chat more things running and well-being. I'm your host, Connor, and together with my co-host, Steph, we will use this podcast to explore the transformative power of running and the intersection between our physical and our mental health. Very interesting, as always. So last episode, I sat down with Tom Dunning. Unfortunately, Steph wasn't around, but Steph definitely enjoyed the podcast, um, or mental health runner. And we talked about Tom's remarkable journey of coming back from the brink of suicide to becoming a spokesman for running mental health and holistic well-being. Um, so, Steph, I know you weren't there, but Tom's a cool guy, isn't he? Yes. Hey, everyone. And yeah, for sure. That was a great conversation with, with Tom. Definitely inspiring. And uh, yeah, really, really, just really good to chat with people like, like him. Oh, uh, yeah, no, he's super cool. And today we have another amazing human on with us, Steph. So um, get ready. Our first co-hosting job. We better not mess it up because today we have... Dr. Jennifer Keel, the amazing running doctor and psychiatry trainee, although um, actually just finished her exams and is, uh, is, is on her way to removing that trainee part from that job title and a member of Runspire and a big friend of us here at Lupa. Um, so Jennifer is joining us to discuss the importance of sleep for our mental health and for our running performance because those things are so closely knit as we've talked about before. So Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, sleep is a thing that I'm very happy to talk about. So you might have to help me rein it in a bit. Um, it's something that I could talk about for hours. Yeah, looking forward to it. None of us have really slept well over the last few days, we were saying beforehand. Where Jennifer, you were on a night shift. Yeah, so I just worked a, a one-off night shift last night, which is a bit unusual for me. Normally I'd run sort of three or four in a row. Yeah, listen, I, you know, I, I, I commend you massively for coming off a night shift and talking to us about sleep. And um, hopefully you'll be able to stay up until, you know, at least kind of 8 or 9 p.m. to get back into an OK pattern. And, and Steph, you were doing the usual founders night shift there um, over the last few nights, I believe. Yeah, I mean, I mean, not 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 as bad as, uh, as, as it sounds, but yeah, it's, it's getting pretty intense. But I think it's more like a the quality of the sleep not necessarily about the time i find the hours but uh, the quality is the challenge it's all those late night ideas and all those late night podcast questions that are popping into your head and um, so let's let's ease some of those uh, podcast question anxiety of the last few nights by getting stuck into it so uh, jennifer like as you say um you know we're, we're here to talk about sleep and i'm sure we'll be able to talk so much about it but before we we get into that, I'd, I'd love to just, in your own words, hear a bit more about your background and your journey with uh, running and then working in the field of, of mental health as well. Sure. So, um, you know, running is something that I've come and left multiple times. Um, so I started, you know, I remember running even as a, as a very small child, um, nursery, pretending to be in the, the Olympics and crouching down a sprint position to do the nursery 10 meter run or whatever it would have been on sports day 
Um, but running was something I didn't really start to take seriously um, in any way until probably university. Um, and that was the first time that I started taking it up as an adult and was my reasons for starting were, were essentially just around fitness. Um, being at medical school the first couple of years, you know, most of your day is nine to five, sat down in lectures, it's very sedentary. And so I was really conscious that I wanted to be doing something to keep active and to keep fit. Um, I was quite intimidated by the idea of the gym or the university sports club. So running was something I came to um, because it was you know, after the price of some kit and some shoes, it's, it's free, it's flexible, I could do it on my own whenever I wanted um, and started out with that. But it probably took a couple of years to really get, um, get myself set up doing it regularly and for it to click as something that I enjoyed. Um, but I do remember after a couple of years, I just finished some lectures and go, I actually really fancy a run. Um, and it was something that was a, a really nice way to wind down after a busy day on placement. Um, and so I, it went from being just about fitness and physical to actually using it as a way of clearing my head and spending some time doing something that I enjoyed. And then from there, um, I started getting more into it um, around the Bath Half Marathon. So I went to medical school in Bristol and it felt like at some point everybody ran this race. And I remember my housemate signing up for it. And I didn't at the time because I didn't think that I was good enough or a real runner. So I didn't get involved. Um, but I saw them going out and saw them going training. And we had, I think there was a training plan pinned up in the bathroom. Um, so it was there all the time, these reminders about it. And I went out on a couple of runs with them or was inspired by them to go and run loops in the evening. And I sort of started to really enjoy it. And so, when I saw them finish it and thought, oh, maybe I could have a go at that. You know, how nice would it be to be able to say for the rest of your life, I ran a half marathon once. And so signed up. And that was the first time I did a training plan and uh, ran with this sort of more regularly a few times a week. And yeah, I just loved it, got really into it. It became part of my routine, part of my life and did this Bath Half Marathon in 2016. And you know, after that, I thought, this is, this is really good fun, but I didn't run for a period after that um, because I was busy. I went on um, my elective to South Africa and sort of was very lazy, to be honest, and then started work as a junior doctor and just didn't really have the time straight away. So I let it drop for a few months or so. Um, in fact, probably more than a few months, it's really getting on for closer to a year. Um, but then as I settled into working as a junior doctor for the first time, again, I started to realise I needed something as a bit of an outlet, something that wasn't work, that wasn't medicine. And I turned back to running and the, the whole, oh, I've run a half marathon once in my life sort of didn't really feel that meaningful for me anymore. And so I entered more races and then moved um, for my second year of work to a town where I lived not knowing anybody else there none of my colleagues lived there um, I was pretty much on my own and went along to parkrun for the first time and I'd say it was around then that things really changed for me because um, by the time I'd done three weeks worth of parkrun I'd met people I was seeing the same people every week I got asked to come along to a local club um, and met people I would never have come across in any other way and 
you know, then we were training or you know, running together twice a week. And then my, my weekly routine was pretty set um, around running. So I wasn't defining myself as just a doctor anymore because I felt like that had taken over a lot of my life. But actually running suddenly was giving me loads more opportunity um, to do something that gave me something else about me. Yeah, from there entered more and more races, being part of a club and a community was really helpful. And now I would say I'm probably more of a runner than a doctor almost. If you ask me about myself, I'll probably start by telling you about running rather than my, my medical career. And that's listen, running Dr. Jennifer. That's how I that's how I found you uh, on yeah. Instagram in the first place. And like I think you touched on a few things there that I like you know some of my favorite books about mental health kind of touched on the things you mentioned there so like you know mental health and exercise mental health and the importance of community um mental health and like work-life balance and these types of things and you seem to have gotten aspects of all of these things through your experiences of running yeah definitely so as i said when i started i chose running because it was something i could do on my own but over the years discovered actually it was something I much preferred to do with other people um, and you mentioned your finding on Instagram that's I've met you know, prob probably hundreds of people now through running and I just would never have come across these people from all different walks of life um, so you know I would have otherwise had a pretty sheltered isolated life only ever speaking to doctors <laughs> they're just not as fun as 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 runners are they <laughs> not at all yeah 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 you have you know you don't have as many doctors running in the mountains like stuff and that kind of thing so no haven't come across i haven't come across any but maybe i haven't looked hard enough <laughs> oh amazing amazing but uh, but another thing and, and you might expand on this first jennifer so like i mentioned a few things about the way running impacted your own mental health but like what are what are the ways in general that our running kind of benefits our own mental health um, so I think there are loads of ways that running is really good for mental health. So one of the things, like I mentioned, is just giving yourself some headspace, some time after a busy day or a long day, of whether that's lectures or working. Um, it gives you a bit of time to just sit with your thoughts a bit or run with your thoughts. And um, we also know that there's loads of evidence, actually, that physical activity is really good for preventing um, developing mental health. Um, illnesses so for example depression and anxiety and it can also be used um, as part of reducing symptoms so as well as being preventative um, it can also be part of treatment um, for conditions like anxiety mild to moderate depression and I think there's even some work around using running or physical activity um, in some of the severe mental illnesses like psychosis as well there's a lot of evidence a lot of research going into that you know what I found it um, a, a challenge actually on on this is that when I think about like my own experience to running and and the way I pay attention to how that made me feel is you know it, it's easy for for me now to see how my mood improves tremendously after a run you know especially if you know I wasn't feeling particularly good before but I think the challenge I think for people that are maybe you know, only getting into running or haven't run for that long is that at least for me, I noticed that my own awareness of this process just increases a lot over time. And I really haven't found out 
why yet? What I mean is with awareness is like really realizing that oh, after run, I genuinely feel better 90% of the time. Like it's so evident, but I wasn't necessarily feeling this at the very beginning of the journey. And I'm really not sure, you know, what could be the reason. I don't know if it's something that you notice yourself, experience or thought about. Yeah. So like I said, when it took me a couple of years for running to really click as something that I enjoyed, um, it probably was a couple of years of just doing it every now and again before I started to get that feeling of actually I really want to go for a run because I know it's going to make me feel good those post-run endorphins that runner's high that you get yeah and um, you sort of you end up almost chasing that and wanting to get more and more of it and I think the more you practice something the more you become aware of how it makes you feel and you you start to yeah solidify that that relationship between the two things and it becomes really clear that you're you, you realize that the pattern of why you're feeling good is maybe because I went for that run earlier in the day. It, it's, it's really interesting, like what you said earlier about the, the kind of different levels of mental health and connection to, to running. So like say, um, Steph talks about this, like at times is, you know, really crazy week uh, running a startup and you can go for a run. It just gives you that. It just, makes the world move a little bit slower even though you're actually moving faster which i think is is really cool for me it's 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 something similar like for me i i have had anxiety for years and uh, i go through you know periods of depression like on a yearly basis and through those experiences i recognize the power that anxiety or that running has to maybe just quieten down the anxiety within my body and quieten down the anxiety in my brain or to give me that high of endorphins when I'm when I'm low, and then what Tom said on on the last episode when he was on, he was actually talking about how when he was at his worst with psychosis, PTSD, and BPD, that running was his way of of seeing light at the end of the tunnels. And and you said after your like tough lectures or after a tough like series of shifts and stuff, or moving to a new city. It's just amazing the different mental benefits that that running can have. So, like, I, I just I, I think that's really cool. And um, obviously, one of those benefits uh, is is sleep, or one of those things that kind of ties into this world is sleep. I guess from your perspective, and from a medical perspective, and from a psychiatry perspective, what what does like what is a good night's sleep? Yeah, it's a it's a big question, and and, and you're right. A lot of us maybe don't know actually what is a good night's sleep. And so I would say it is partly based on time. And um, so there's lots of evidence now that to say that for most adults, we need about seven to nine hours of sleep. Um, some people fall slightly either side of that, but that's generally the number that um, Steph, Steph's always were squinting there. He's like, Oof. <laughs> what? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hitting my seven, <laughs> not hitting those metrics. No. Yeah. I'm actually am meeting those, but. As I said before, and we'll get to it. I think the quality is the is the, yeah. the hardest part. But sorry, Jennifer, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. And so that's that's seven to nine hours of of actually being asleep. So your quality sleep. So that's not just getting into bed for seven hours, but yeah, it's actually being properly asleep for that time. Um, and then a sign of good sleep is waking up and feeling well rested, refreshed. And I think that's where you're saying about the quality of your sleep comes into it. And I'd, I'd also say that a good night's sleep is where you've got a good routine, where you're falling asleep, waking up at about the same time each day, and you find an easy to fall asleep. So falling asleep under 30 minutes, perhaps even under 20 minutes. 
yeah so that's that's what I think hey sorry for interrupting the podcast but we just wanted to make a little looper announcement so if you haven't tried the looper app yet the app that brings you this sweat and small podcast every second week then what are you waiting for get on over to wearelooper.com and download for android or ios today but if you are a looper user and you've been enjoying it hopefully you have then make sure to invite a friend and share the looper love and get more people running mindfully with looper's advanced running technology all you have to do is click that invite a friend button within your looper app and your friends can be running with you by today okay back to the podcast is it true like i i read about you know the importance of the actual cycles of of sleep that fits into that say well seven and a half to nine hours meaning we have a full cycle of sleep of one and a half hour and therefore we need about four to five every night to actually get the rest and recovery that we need yeah so sleep's broken down into different parts so we normally talk about four different stages of sleep from stage one two three four and there are different types of sleep so some of that's very light sleep and some of that's deep sleep and part of it is getting it really scientific but you get into your rapid eye movement sleep which is a totally different type of sleep to the to the other lighter stages of it and the different stages of sleep do different things in the body so sleep is more than just being unconscious for a few hours actually it's a really important part of our how our body works now and our physiology i mean let's get scientific i mean i love that i, I hope who, who's listening <laughs> yes. will, will love it too but let's get into it that tell me more the meaning <laughs> You say there are like I, four, I haven't four done different... science since I was fifteen, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let you guys delve into this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean without without getting hyper technical, but I will be very curious to know more of what different stage of the cycle actually is doing to the body in terms of recovery and uh, well repair because it is a form of repair. Yeah, it is absolutely a form of repair. So. Um, like I said, the, the very first stage of sleep is that very light. You almost, you don't even notice that you're asleep. And then we cycle into stages two, three, four, and we go round, as you said, sort of four or five times in a typical night's sleep between those different stages. And the deep sleep is when a lot of that muscle repair is going on. So um, that's the stage where we see a lot of what's something called growth hormone that is a, one of the hormones in the in the body and that starts off the process of repair of your muscles or the tissues in your body so if you've had a, a big workout and it's really important to get some sleep afterwards because it's during that sleep time that most of the repair and the recovery process is going on and um yeah are, are there um how do I say it? Side effects or or is there a negative impact to interrupting the sleep at any given moment, or are there like worse effects if interrupted at a specific moment of the cycle? Um, so I don't know what the kind of overall consensus is on that. It's big. There's a lot of sleep research going on. I don't know if people yeah. come to a, a definite 
um, understanding on that. But if you're interrupting your sleep, then you're not completing those sleep cycles. You know, you're, you, the sleep cycles get longer in length the later you're sleeping. So if you're interrupting sleep, um, you're missing out on those long periods of deep sleep that, end, that come towards the latter half of the night or the latter half of our time asleep. Um, so if you're getting broken sleep, you're, you're not getting so much of the right type, if that makes sense. So this is kind of a selfish question here because I'm I don't know what other I don't know about you guys but I'm a big napper, and um, when I'm like super if I've had a really stressful day, I I love a nap like just you know give me forty five minutes or an hour to nap. What <laughs> is that? Like it feels good for me, but I don't know what's the benefits of that if any. I'm a big fan of a nap. Um, oh, thank God. I will I will bring them in um, you know, particular times. So um, when I was marathon training and doing a big run on a Sunday, actually, I feel exhausted afterwards. So to come home and have a nap after a long run or a big workout is is really good for getting that time of recovering your energy and your muscle repair. Um, also, when I was studying for exams, I'd often get up early, do some revision and then sleep helps with your memory. So a nap after a big studying period or working period is, again, really helpful. That's why I, I try the, to tell Steph, like after team calls, I like to take an hour from my nap to just let it settle within me. But yeah, sure, uh, counted him as uh, work time. You know, he's now yeah. now we're working, <laughs> working <laughs> style policies. <laughs> yeah, I'd advocate for more sleep time for everybody. Yeah, and um, I guess the only time that it would become a problem is if you were napping so much during the day that it was then affecting your ability to get to sleep at night, and it was causing problems getting that prolonged nighttime sleep. Um, but yeah, otherwise, a, a big fan of a daytime nap. Pretty great that you are, because that's made me feel better about my routine. <laughs> but it is is then is there is there like a, so when you're saying like, um, in terms of like the muscle recovery, the healing, the rejuvenation, how long should you nap for essentially to be actually be able to get those benefits? Because I'd imagine if if it's only 10, 15 minutes, you're not going to enter into those kind of recovery stages of your sleep. No, probably not in ten or fifteen minutes. Ten or fifteen minutes will give you some light sleep just to recover a bit of energy um so you're probably needing sort of that 45 minutes to an hour at least to get a full sleep cycle um which is why i'm saying you don't don't have too many naps throughout the day or nap too close to bedtime because if you've okay, had an hour's sleep it's going to make it much harder to sleep in the evening okay then okay so i i love this this is getting into like connor and i asking all, all the interesting <laughs> questions for ourselves about our sleep issues and and, and masking this, under a the, podcast just to yeah. get a free consultation <laughs> from Jennifer. <laughs> this is the plan. Now we unveiled it. <laughs> um, so, no, no. I mean, this, this is really interesting because I, contrary to Connor, I've never really napped much. Not because I don't want to. I just just find it difficult. I'm one of those, you know, hyperactive little kids that just doesn't want to go to sleep because it's you know, just want to be awake and, and do the next thing. So I actually struggle with that. But sometimes I'm just so exhausted that I just try to nap. And what I notice is that if I end up falling asleep for too long, meaning 40 minutes onward, then when I wake up, I have a really bad headache and it's just going to drag along with me for the rest of the day until I go to sleep that night and wake up the following day. Whereas if I manage to actually fall asleep for 20 to 30 minutes most, 
I actually wake up very, very refreshed. Yeah, I think there probably is something about that post-sleep. I think they use the words groggy feeling afterwards where you don't feel that great if you've had a a long, prolonged period of sleep during the day. Um, So often if you're taking a sleep just to kind of make yourself feel a bit more active during the day, then shorter you get less of that that problem but you don't get the deep sleep benefits but if you're getting enough sleep at night then that's fine because it's i guess i guess it kind of runs across like literally everything like that has to do with us as as human beings is that we're individuals so like we're all unique in some way shape or form even if it's by like 0.1 percent or if it's by you know 30 percent so like I know that there's, there's, you know, say with me and my mental health, like I've had to do huge amounts of reflection and analysis to work out what's good for me and what's not so good for me and what I can do to help myself when I feel a certain way and all this type of thing. But with sleep, I've always found it a bit of a minefield to work out. Well, like what's, what's best for me? How can I, you know, do things to make my sleep a little bit better? So I'm just wondering, on, on like the tracker side of things, like if you've ever used one or if, you know what people who've used them and, and what their experiences have been because for me it's just something that I've never really felt I, I guess I'm I, I don't trust it and I'm not sure if I've learned how to be a better sleeper through them yeah so I have tried sleep trackers just like apps on your phone or using and um, some of the running watches come fitness trackers come with a, a sleep tracker personally I'm not a big fan of them um I was just reading somewhere else the other week that also I don't think the technology is quite advanced enough for them to provide much meaningful information. Um, They're certainly not to the same degree as having a a proper sleep study in a sleep laboratory with all of the, you you see those pictures of people with all the stickers on their heads and the wire, (laughs) the wire caps things. Um, So that, you know, a sleep watch or an an app by your phone that's just tracking noise or movement is never going to equate to that or, doesn't equate to that at the moment maybe down the line we'll have the good technology to be able to um so yes i have used sleep trackers but i don't particularly like them um i think you can become as with any sort of data about yourself you can become quite fixated on it and if you're waking up in the morning and the first thing you want to do is to rely on your phone to tell you how well you've slept then you lose all that ability to track actually how do i feel do i feel rested or do I feel tired? And you might wake up and you feel fine, but your phone tells you, oh no, you had a bad night's sleep. So then you, you kind of tell yourself, oh, I must feel bad. Yeah, or you wake up and you feel, yeah, or you wake up and you feel unrefreshed, but your phone says, oh no, you slept fine. So you, you sort of don't make any changes to your sleep. Um, and even with my running, well, I, I try not to rely on data too much. So yeah, not, not hugely a fan of sleep trackers at the moment. So some of the apps play you back like a little snippet of your snoring from the night before. And like, that's just, that's just mean. Like, that's just not, you know, <laughs> the whole point yeah. of you sleeping through your snoring is that you don't get to hear it. You know, that's the magic of it. Um, and the other thing that, that kind of, and Steph, sorry, I'll let you come in here. I know I spoke over you, but it's actually, it's interesting that um, I was doing, my, so I'm doing yoga teacher training at the moment and my teacher is great. Um, just had a baby there so congrats Brian but he was saying that he's not too he doesn't get too caught up on like how an individual looks when they're doing their yoga you know like as in that he tries to encourage them to feel a certain way so talk about 
if you're doing a ride, it should feel like this. And for me, that might look like my legs are fully bent and like I look, you know, just I'm, I'm just might not look aesthetically good at yoga, but I'm getting to the right feel. And then Steph might, you know, straight legs touching the floor. I don't know, handstands, all that different thing. But that feels good to him and this feels good to me. So I think there could be something that you're saying there in terms of sleep as well, where like, you know, yeah, the tracker might say you've done well, but you should get a feel for yourself and reflect and see, okay, I felt good because I did this and I did this and I slept for this amount of time. This seems to be a routine that works for me and, and kind of bring that into, into your regime. I mean, I just wanted to add that. Jennifer, you offer a great assist to, you know, what the, the philosophy behind Lupa is and what you were mentioning about how sleeping tracker can actually interfere with your actual perception of your sleep. And, you know, generalizing that a bit and zooming out, which is, it's one of the reasons why we are so focused on a lot more ju than just performance data in what we want to bring to the platform. And we're focusing a lot on, you know, trying to help you focus on yourself and feel it for yourself as well. And of course, I mean, there is a great advantage to the fact that well-being metrics are getting more and more measurable. Um, but it's about finding the right balance between using that technology to better understand um, some of those metrics while listening to yourself and learning to listen to yourself and to your body uh, at the same time. And I think that that is a, that is a challenge and it's, uh, it's an, an exciting one. I'd actually like to ask both of you as runners that you've, you've done more running than me and just like how sleep interacts with the world of running. Um, Jennifer, like obviously you'll be able to touch on it from the kind of scientific side of things as well, but just in terms of feel for both of you, maybe how it can benefit your sleep one, but then also how good sleep can benefit your running and, and, you know, if there's any negatives of say like running too late or, or that kind of thing. So I might start with you, Jennifer, and then might get some, some insight from Steph as well on this. Yeah. So sleep is something that probably a lot of athletes don't think about enough or are only just waking up to kind of the importance of it. Um, so there's, a, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of, so sleep, you know, if you're sleeping better, um, we know that it tends to motivate you to want to eat better. So you're rested well, your nutrition's good, you feel more motivated to go out for a run, to train, um, so you can keep going and you lead to better performance. Um, so if you're sleeping and you're rested well and you go out to do a big training session, um, mentally you feel better about it, but physically you, you, your body's just better recovered and better able to take on the load that you're going to put under. Um, we've already touched on quite a bit about the importance of sleep for repair and growth of your muscles and tissues. Um, so it helps with as you're building up strength and building up your endurance um, and also reduces your risk of injury. And there's also a bit about how sleep is good for motor coordination and muscle memory. So if you've been doing lots of practice working on your form, for example, you're doing lots of running drills. Um, and then you get a good night's sleep afterwards. That's really helpful as well. Is the the reason why it actually like quality sleep and enough sleep helps also with reducing the risk of injury because it reduces cortisol 
as a stress hormone, which is actually high, highly related to higher chances of injuries. Yeah. So if you're not resting enough, you're not getting enough sleep, then you're not getting your normal varying patterns of cortisol. It's just staying high um, and your body's in a kind of stress situation all of the time, which puts you at higher risk of injury. Um, Adam, I think it's quite ironic that we're doing this podcast today because I, I literally feel so tired that I struggled to think clearly. So I don't even know if I'm making any sense on anything I've said today. So that's quite quite funny. Uh, it would be nice to when we hear it back. But yeah, to to your question, Connor, I think I don't know. I've noticed a few a few things really stuck with me in the relationship between sleep and my performance let's say first of all I couldn't agree more with what Jennifer said about how still too many let's say people slash athletes are not yet prioritizing or being aware enough of the importance that sleep has on on their overall performance and, and as Jennifer said not just directly and indirectly as well um for me, I think I now came to the realization that say Saturday comes and I want to do my long run. Um, if I need to choose between say going out and do a long run and forget to eat for whatever reasons or going on the long run without having slept enough or having slept good enough, I will anytime choose to go with good sleep and not food. Now, I'm not saying this to say that people shouldn't eat before a run. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. What I'm trying to say is that in my personal experience, I've now noticed how sleep and the associated stress has a direct worse impact, or not worse, like a direct higher impact in the drop of my performance. To an extent that there are days where I'm so exhausted that I, even if I try to go out, I'm just feel unable to do what I would do on a normal day. Um, so definitely experience, you know, how, how, how crucial it is. And uh, yeah, and I guess another thing is um, I need to be, and the flip side of that, actually the opposite of the relationship is exercise to sleep. Now I said sleep to exercise, but what about exercise to sleep? And I actually use my runs or my, my, my exercise uh, uh, carefully in, in, as a way to conduce uh, uh, good sleep. For example, I know that if I go exercise too late in the afternoon or evening, uh, I will get way too much energy for the rest of the day and it will actually impair uh, you know, uh, how, how quickly or how well I can fall asleep that night. So I know that I shouldn't exercise, especially at high intensity, too late in the evening. Whereas the other way around happens, and you know, this is something that we actually have talked about in some of the experiences within Lupa, is that when I run in the morning and I'm able to go, you know, to keep that routine, then it gives me a lot of energy throughout the day, but equally it makes me feel also very relaxed at the right time in the evening to have a better night of sleep. Like for me, in anything to do with the world of, of well-being, holistic well-being, so, you know, mental, physical, spiritual, all these different things, I always try to look at it through the lens of like, be guided by the science and the research. So like use that as, you know, the way your starting point. 
and then listen to as many other people's journeys as possible to maybe get some ideas of how I can implement that science into my life. And then it's about trial and error, like, and just, you know, trying it and seeing what works for me and seeing what makes me feel the best. And again, just recognizing that, you know, connection between mind and body and seeing what works. Um, because, you know, some people are different. Like some people actually sleep well after doing an eat a run after work or something. Whereas for you, Steph, you know, from trying that, that that doesn't work for you and stuff. So that's where I see it's like, listen to what Jennifer, like what you're saying from the scientific perspective, listen to a few people's accounts and stories and then try and just see what makes you feel better. Like what makes you feel best and sleeping best running best, eating best, all these different things. And hopefully from listening to this and the other episodes and stuff, they, they, they get to understand that a little bit better. And like Jennifer, I don't want to take up more of your time because I know that you're, you're probably dying for sleep, talking about sleep after a night shift. It is torture in some ways. So I, I, before, before we finish and wrap up, I just like to to ask, um, like, do you have any recommendations for the listeners on, on how to sleep better, you know, run better and, and ultimately just feel better. Um, I know that's a big question, but just anything that, that jumps to mind for you. Yeah, it's a massive question. And you could probably fill an entire podcast just talking about mm. how to improve sleep <laughs> um, and how to make sleep better if it's a problem for you. But I'll try and keep sort of a few short tips. Um, so I think the, the overall thing is really to make sleep your priority. So um, prioritize getting that sleep over trying to fit in an extra workout or get up and doing something early in the morning if you're losing an hour's sleep because you think that's a good time to fit in a gym session or whatever else you want to do in the morning I'd actually say get get your sleep right first that's the number one thing um, make sure you're getting those seven to nine hours or, or whatever suits you of, of really good quality sleep um, and then you can fit other things in on top of that um, having a really good routine. So I quite like to have a, a wind down routine before I go to bed. So try and avoid any screens um, that, that are going to keep me awake for the last 30 to 60 minutes before I want to be asleep. So not using my phone, not using my laptop, um, just avoiding the, the blue light that confuses your mind into thinking that you should be awake. Um, so I try and try and avoid those types of things. Going to bed at roughly the same time every night, our bodies really like a routine of doing the same thing. Um, so start to feel sleepy at a, about the same time at night. Um, and my third thing would probably be to have the right environment. So we, we want a, a cooler temperature, a nice dark environment. Um, so again, avoiding any bright lights and screens and things in your bedroom and um, you make make your bedroom this place where you go to sleep so that your brain is associating it with being asleep and being a restful place Jennifer thank you so much for for all of that and I, I think there's there's things that like some people have found more difficult through lockdown because some people are working in their room like their bedrooms and they're you know spending so much time in their houses but even if they could take one thing from that if they could get like you know uh, an air cooler or something like that during the summer or a fan or something small or maybe they just put the phone away for half an hour hopefully that will get them sleeping better it will get them running better and it will just get them feeling better in general um i i, I it was it was such a pleasure talking today it's, it's always such a pleasure 
talking to you, you know, well-being is at the core of everything that we do at Loop and, and working beside people like yourself just helps us to do that better and better and inspires us to do it better and better. So thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a really interesting discussion. I know it was awesome. We'll have you back on to like delve into all these other elements because I know you're doing some really interesting work at the moment. Uh, so thank you, Jennifer. Uh, Steph, I, I, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, you know, let me know what you think. And also, uh, what do we have planned for episode five? Can you tell us anything? For sure. And as well, Jennifer, thank you so much. And I really look forward to hopefully when COVID time will allow it to actually go on some runs together with the Lupa family. And, uh, I, and trust me, I'll, I'll, I'll get quite annoying, annoying to you because I have so many sleep related questions. I just found it such an interesting science, actually. Um, and yes, Connor, so our next episode will also be a great one. So please, everyone was listening, join us back here in two Thursdays from now for episode five of the Sweat and Smile podcast, where we'll sit down with Dora the amazing founder of Ultra Black Running will be talking to us about the running. Who would <clears throat> will be talking to us about how running can build community, and definitely want to tune in for. So looking forward to seeing you all back here soon. Bye everyone. Thanks guys. Thank you for listening to Sweat and Small, a podcast brought to you by Lupa. If you would like to access the Lupa Running app. All you have to do is go onto the wearelupa.com website, register your details, and you'll get an access email as soon as possible. Also, if you'd like to subscribe, share, and review this podcast, we'd really appreciate it. We'll see you here Thursday two weeks for the next episode of Sweat and Smile.